Hello and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt and I'm a coach, trainer and hypnotherapist. But more importantly, I'm just a person trying to live a life that feels good. A life where I'm the kind of mum and wife I want to be and the kind of person I want to be. So I started this podcast as a way of collecting and sharing thoughts about things that help us feel in control so that we can live our lives the way we want, things that help us weather the tough stuff, because there's always tough stuff, and things that help us be great role models for our kids, particularly in terms of caring for our mental and physical health. And today I'm joined by Karen Watkins, who has such amazing and fascinating information to share with us about the role that minerals play in mental and physical health. Karen has worked in the field of hair analysis for over 20 years. She is a technical advisor at Mineral Check, and she specializes in hair mineral analysis, which means she looks at our bodies on a cellular level and is able to offer insights about why we feel, look, and behave the way we do based on the way our body is using and storing minerals. In this episode, we talk about mineralcheck.com and some of the products available on the site, but please know that I am not affiliated with the company. I was simply fascinated by and really helped by the information that my report provided. And whether or not you choose to go ahead and have your own mineral analysis done, I can guarantee this episode is full of information that will be valuable to you either way particularly if you are somebody who struggles with repeated bouts of depression, if you regularly drink more than the government recommended guidelines for alcohol, and if you're interested in subjects like ADHD and other behavioral challenges or disorders that could potentially be affected by mineral balance. On the day that Karen and I spoke, she was joined by the friendly storeroom cat, so there are quite a few bangs and bumps in the background but despite that, I have no doubt this episode is going to blow your mind. So let's just dive straight in with Karen talking about what mineral testing is, why we do it, and where it came from. Here we go. So for the first thing, a lot of people don't realize this is actually a very old science hair testing was developed by the police in Victorian London. They were looking for a way of proving or disproving arsenic poisoning, which was very, very common. And the easiest way to do that, um, the police found, was to test a piece of hair. If someone had ingested arsenic, then testing the hair closest to the scalp would actually give you or give them a definitive whether or not arsenic was there. So that's what they did. Um, and it has been around since then. Um, it is widely used for, a lot of people have heard of it in maybe in other fields, like for example, for drug testing. If you are um, in um, some industries, your hair can be routinely in tested to see whether or not you've used um, prescription drugs or illegal drugs. And the minerals are all equally very, very stable in the hair. Now, if we were to test blood, say you were interested in, now I don't know how old you are, Natalie, and I'm not going to ask right now. I know I tested it, what your hair wants, so we found out. But if you were interested in your calcium level, because you were thinking about your bone health. Sorry. Um, I mean, anyway, if, you want to, if it helps to use mine as, a, as an example, I don't mind. So I'm 46 
and okay, perimenopausal. So calcium was an issue in, in your mind. bone health. Okay. Okay. So you're interested in your calcium level. If you measure calcium in your blood, it will be the same, whether or not you're 12, 46, or 84. At 12, your bones are developing. At 46, your bones are probably the strongest they're going to be. At 82, when you've fallen down the stairs and fractured a hip, you might be worried about your bone health. Your calcium level in the blood will be the same regardless because the body has what's called a homeostatic balance and it holds calcium within that very, very tight range. If it were to take it out of that, then you'd have problems with, say, for example, the heart muscle. If we test the calcium in the hair, we can see the homeostatic balance hasn't applied. The body has taken the calcium that it had in the blood. It's needed to move it somewhere. So it's pushed it out into the tissues. And the hair is just another body tissue. So rather than biopsying your kidneys or your liver or a chunk of muscle, we can just use hair, which is something that's painless, easily accessible. Um, and we can tell what your calcium level is. Now that will give us a really accurate indication of how your body is using the calcium. That's gonna be a better indicator than blood. Does that make sense? It really does. And actually, I'm very happy to use my example because calcium was one of the things that kind of floored me actually, because I didn't register or realize that calcium could be too high and that that was a problem. So, you know, they're always talking to you about, particularly as a perimenopausal woman, you know, I'm entering menopause. And so calcium is a big thing and, you know, bone density and all of that. So I would have thought, you know, loads of calcium, great. But my report showed that my calcium was absolutely through the roof and mm -hmm. that that could be causing some problems. And some of those problems also surprised me for things like depression, insomnia, um, things that I have experienced at various points in various ways. And so that brings me to my next question, which is what kinds of things do people potentially experience but have no idea that it could be mineral related? I think I have to say the most common one. Well, there are a few. Um, if we look at children, most common um, children with behavioral disorders, you know, a lot of those mm -hmm. are actually diet and mineral related. What and kinds of behavioral disorders? So um, ADHD, mm -hmm. attention deficit, some um, of the behavioral spectrum disorders. So if a child is, and I'm gonna give a real life example of a child that I absolutely love and I've had the pleasure of working with for some years now. His name is Francis. I'm not gonna give any more personal details other than Francis. And Francis's mom tested his hair. And we worked with the results. And, and we also did a little bit more. We took some gluten out of his diet because I'm a practitioner and I felt he might be gluten sensitive. And I took dairy out of his diet because um, we noticed he had a lot of skin problems and he had a lot of breathing um, allergies. So we took dairy out as well. And we cleared up some of the peripheral things. But this little boy was actually excluded from mainstream education because he was violent. As a mom, you would not let your child play with this little boy. His parents didn't actually leave him alone with his siblings because of his violent outbursts. Um, so he's excluded from mainstream education. We work with him, we work with the mineral pattern. We give him supplements to rebalance the minerals. He actually returns to mainstream education, which as a mom, that's, wow, 
You've got him out of special education and back into the mainstream education. That's a good plus. But he actually went back to a school that streamed and he ended up in the top stream. So this was a very academically bright little boy that was engaged, that was fun, that was actually a joy to be around once we corrected his mineral problems. And what was so, so, so interesting for me is that after a while, his dad raised the issue of, you know, we keep testing him and there's always something to work on. And I very much, well, I'm not surprised, you know, he's going through a lot of changes, he's going through creativity, he, he's... He was driving himself quite hard to perform well at school. So we're going to see mineral imbalances come in. And his dad was very, no, I've got sceptical over all this. Fair enough. So he took took him off his supplement protocol. And within three weeks, the parents were called into the school to ask why their relaxed, happy child had gotten into three fights and wasn't paying attention in school. Wow. And... The school had concluded there had to be something wrong at home because this was not stereotypical of the child. Put the child back on the supplements, work with the results of his program. He had massive calcium, magnesium imbalances, sodium, potassium imbalances and copper zinc imbalances. Dealt with all of those and we have a happy, relaxed child. So that's when you said, what, how do you mean with um, children? That's mm. one. Um, and then the other really big issue is I would say mental health issues, depression. Lots of people believe that depression is somehow either a weakness or a character defect or because their life is just woe is me. And actually, depression can be linked to something like excessive copper, toxic elements like mercury or lead. Um, It can be linked to a magnesium and zinc deficiency. And if we can correct those, then the mood lifts. There may be other issues that still require working on, mm-hmm. but one can actually create um, enough of a boost to mood to mean that if there are other issues that need working on, someone feels strong enough to cope with those. Mm. Yeah, because that's often the case, isn't it, with depression? I've certainly experienced that before, where there's a part of you that knows what to do, but you just can't actually can't do it. be bothered to, to yeah. even try. It's almost just you just want to stay where you are because... The thought of doing anything is just too much. Absolutely. And so if the um, potassium level is really, really low, the body can have trouble picking up and transporting the feel-good hormones across the cell wall. So if you take potassium, that kind of acts like a little bus that takes all the feel-good hormones across the cell wall. If you've got really low potassium, those hormones are going to struggle to get across the cell wall. So you're going to get that apathy, I just can't be bothered. I know that eating the chocolate isn't really helping, but I can't be bothered to get off the sofa mm-hmm. and stop binging on Netflix and go for a run and eat a good meal. Mm-hmm. But actually, if we can change something, then that has a knock-on effect on lots of other ways. Yeah, yeah. I've certainly found that in my own life, that if you're starting small, doing just something that starts you feeling, even that light come on to go... I still don't feel brilliant, but I feel okay enough to do the next thing. And just kind of keeping it small has made a difference. So you just mentioned there potassium kind of acting as the bus across the cell wall for the feel-good hormones. Because this is one of the things that I think depression, and it's so commonly thought of that, oh, it's just an imbalance in serotonin. And I kind of, I need to go on antidepressants. That seems to be the thing. And having gone to my doctor 
um, on two separate occasions, on both occasions, the, the, the immediate thing was to prescribe me with antidepressants, which I didn't want to take and I therefore didn't take them. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more about the relationship between, are we looking in the right place when we look at serotonin or are we better off looking at the minerals and then the serotonin? We're kind of better off looking at both. Okay. Not all depression is serotonin imbalance. Some depression can be completely linked to, for example, a copper overload. Now, it's quite interesting because that in itself is the problem, but serotonin may still be low. And sometimes as a practitioner, I will suggest that taking the antidepressants is a way forward so that it's almost a bridge. It will help you feel a little bit better in the short term so that we can correct the imbalance and then wean you back off. So I wouldn't be totally opposed. And I know some people in my field and maybe some of your listeners are going to be hiss, hiss. She mentioned taking a, a drug when we don't need to do that. But it might actually be a bridge. We're not looking in the wrong place when we look at serotonin. But there are lots of other reasons why depression may exist. For okay. example, it might be low beta endorphin levels. So they're the ones that make you feel, serotonin makes you feel good. Beta endorphin levels make you feel happy and enthusiastic and full of joy. They're the ones that, if you like, are the sparky ones. That's the happy stuff. Okay. And then there's dopamine, which is the one that really gives you the buzz mm-hmm. and the go and, and the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a difference and they all need to be looked at. And actually, if you have extremely low zinc levels, then you won't make the serotonin. Okay. So we, I would say we tackle the mineral imbalance. And then there are some food tricks that help us boost serotonin as well. And I'll often put those in when I'm talking to people about you can boost your food. You can boost your serotonin levels by making sure that you have proper protein in your meals that you're eating at regular intervals and then there's a little trick you can use with a carb at the end of the day which will help the serotonin be made by getting the tryptophan it's made from into the brain so it's lots of i don't want you to run away with the idea that it's just a serotonin and it's not just a mineral yeah there's a big picture and i think that's kind of the fun it's holistic we look at absolutely everything Mm. we might choose to work on one area And I would say if you choose to work on one, it's work on the minerals because they are your foundation. It's like building a house. If you don't have great foundations, the house will always be shaky. Mm -hmm. If you have big mineral imbalances, you can work hard on your serotonin. You can learn to meditate. You can take up a good exercise program. You can do your yoga. You can eat great food. But if you've got a big mineral imbalance, your foundation is still really shaky. Okay. So now this is a question that just popped into my head that wasn't actually on my list of things to ask you, but saying that it's just popped it into Spiral off. And sometimes when I did, I didn't do this for this one, but sometimes when I do these podcasts, I write a little list on the wall because otherwise I I just go off on a tangent and we'll get to the end and I'll go, we didn't cover anything. (laughs) Well, I I joined uh, a kind of streaming service. At the time it was called Food Matters TV, but it's merged with Gaia now. And so I've had exposure to all kinds of things that I wouldn't necessarily have watched in the past. And one of them was about um, Root Canal and how this um, the person who's made this documentary was talking about how we should never, ever have done things like Root Canal because it completely messes with our mental health. And what you were just saying now about toxicity, 
I wondered if that's something you've heard about before, whether there's any connection between things we do in dentistry and toxic levels in our systems and, and how that affects our mental health. There's absolutely loads of, um, loads of research on this. I find this field absolutely fascinating. Um, about six years ago, I did a lot of CPD with dentists. Um, and I worked out I had enough CPG points to become a dentist, but I don't think anyone would let me use with a drill. Um, but I was really <laughs> interested in that whole field because you're right, mercury is hundreds more to times toxic than arsenic. But if I asked you to chew on arsenic all day, you wouldn't. So let's do some basic chemistry around mercury, for example. The mercury in your mouth is called is an inorganic compound. That means there's no carbon attached to it. The mercury in fish is an organic compound, which means it has carbon attached to it. Body is designed to run on carbon chemistry, okay? So the mercury in the fish is very readily available to your body, so you will absorb it and the whole. The mercury in your mouth is inorganic, it's harder for you to absorb. That said, I still don't know why you're chewing on it all day, but that doesn't mean I would go, oh, well, you have mercury. Let's rush off and have all your fillings out. What I would say is if you have mercury, and the research in cases very much with dentists, some super studies done in Finland on um, using selenium, which is one of the elements that we measure in the hair test. Selenium will bind to mercury. So if you go back to your chemistry, you'll remember that um, elements are not stable compounds. They need to join onto something to make a stable compound. Selenium will antagonize the mercury. And the research on in dentists in Finland seems to show that if you take selenium, it will bind to the mercury and almost escort it out of the system. If there's a chemistry list teacher listening, I apologize. I really wanted to make that accessible. So if you're a chemistry teacher, please just roll your eyes <laughs> with that. <laughs> but I wanted to make it the principle really accessible. If you have mercury, take some selenium, it will bind to it. And so that's one of the reasons when, when um, I'm talking to people about fish and we talk about eating the big fatty fish that may well be contaminated with some mercury, have something that's rich in selenium with them. Um, I think uh, that can be really, really helpful in, in keeping a good food in, but using another compound to overcome any potential problems. So what kinds of things are rich in selenium? Brazil nuts are about the best. There's a super study done in Australia. It was done about eight or nine years ago. And it used Brazil nuts and selenium methionine as a supplement. And it measured the antioxidant that selenium would go on to make. Really good study. And what it found was that the people who ate Brazil nuts every day were made, were higher in selenium or made more of the selenium-based antioxidant than the people who used a really okay. good supplement. Um, so I love that one because yeah. I do do supplements and I do talk to people about supplements and they are the quickest way to address a mineral imbalance. But I love it when we find that food can be so useful as well. Mm -hmm. So when selenium's low, um, five to six Brazil nuts every morning with breakfast is a nice, easy thing to do. We can all do it really simply or just use them as a snack during the day. Okay, good. Good to know. Um, yeah, because selenium was one of the things that showed up on mine too. So um, 
And Brazil nuts was on my list of things to yeah, eat. Although, rather sadly, almonds had, uh, was on my list of things not to eat. And I was I was obsessed with almonds prior to that, thinking that they were a great source of good fats and all kinds of great things. But there was a whole load of things that I thought were healthy foods, but were listed on my list as things I needed to not eat. Kale was on there, broccoli. Yeah, the brassicas are interesting. Um Actually, if you want to keep the kale and the broccoli in, mm-hmm. go and get some seaweed and mm-hmm. use it as a condiment. The problem with the brassicas can be that they will prevent, if you are iodine deficient, they can impact on your thyroid. Right. But I wouldn't suggest taking iodine as a supplement to overcome that because too much iodine can lower your thyroid function. Right. So that's why we have this balance creeping in. So if you really like the brassicas, lightly cook them mm-hmm. and then just crumble some seaweed over them. Okay. You've got your iodine and you can keep the brassicas in. Right. Well, it's interesting because I did actually cut them out uh, because I was uh, mainly I was juicing them. The bro- broccoli I would have at dinner time, but I'm not a big fan of kale, but I was juicing it because I was thinking, well, I've got to force this stuff into myself because it's so healthy. Um, but I wasn't feeling as energized as I wanted to feel. So when I saw that in the list, I took it out. I also was avoiding things like bananas and raisins because they're high in sugar. Um, but because they were on my list because of potassium, I started eating them. And I have noticed that my energy levels are better than they were. Um, even though I haven't made all the changes yet that were recommended, I've still been, you know, it's summer holidays, the kids are here. So there have been ice creams and there have been cakes and bits and pieces and things that I know I I really would normally avoid. Try chopping up some overly ripe bananas. You know, those bananas that you look at and you think, what am I going to do with them? Do I bake banana bread or do I throw them away? Uh Chop them up, stick them in the freezer and freeze them. And if you chop them up in like inch or two inch chunks, this will work. Then chuck them into a blender bowl with even a hand blender if you don't have anything else and mash them up and you will have something that will make a great banana, a great ice cream substitute. Mm -hmm. It comes out with the texture of bananas, um, ice cream. It tastes nice, so banana ice cream. You can do it more complicated than that. You can start adding yogurt and and stuff to it, you know, have some peanut butter. You you can play around. If you want a really fast, simple, healthy ice cream substitute, mash up some frozen bananas absolutely yeah i've done that and they are absolutely delicious so when i when i am eating healthily i mean completely healthily those are the kinds of things that i've done in the past um but yeah as i say with the summer holidays and you know we're off spending whole days at swimming pools and things like that i have been eating badly but what's been interesting to me is the increase in protein the increase of bananas and raisins um and the decrease of things like kale and broccoli and i have noticed a difference in energy level which, Brilliant, which surprised me. Yeah, it was really all good. That from a really simple, fairly inexpensive test. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd highly recommend it. And I did actually record a previous episode talking about it because I was really shocked by my results. Um, and it gave me information. I think that's the key thing with a lot of us with our health. Um, one of the things that I'm learning, the more I dive into this world, because mental health has led me to physical health. It's led me to see that actually the connection really is the body, that we've been focusing so much on thoughts and the mind, but that is all coming from the conditions of the body. And so I kind of, I'm realizing, and somebody put it, I can't remember what it was. I was listening to a podcast and the way he put it was brilliant. He said, your thoughts, you can have negative thoughts and they can lead you down this path, but that's almost like putting your foot on the pedal. If there's no gas in the tank, 
you don't go anywhere anyway. And, and your food and your diet and your physical health is what puts the gas in the tank. So if you've got a whole load of trash in your diet, then when your thoughts are working against you, that puts the foot on the pedal and you can go down any dark hole you want. Whereas if your physical health is so good and you face something that you find challenging or life gets difficult or something terrible happens and you go down that rabbit hole for a while, you have the physical strength to pull yourself back out again. Um, so when I was trying to work with kind of understanding depression, all roads have led me to really the gut, actually. Um, and I think the mineral balance is, is also plays into that, into gut health and what happens to all of our systems. I agree. Because the gut is incredibly important, which is one of the things that we often will recommend on tests. And I think from yours, we recommended it, that you look at digestion. Because if you don't have optimal digestion, it doesn't matter what we do, you won't absorb the minerals correctly. And so one of the things, for example, you mentioned your calcium being extremely elevated. If you have low hydrochloric acid, the body won't absorb the calcium correctly anyway. If you have low hydrochloric acid, your body doesn't send the signal to release the digestive enzymes for the second stage of digestion. If you don't have enough zinc, the body can't make the hydrochloric acid, which it needs for the first stage of digestion. Mm. So there is this big link between what happens if your digestion is compromised, even if you have a great diet and great supplement program, it won't matter. If you can sort out your digestion, will you get everything you need from food? Yeah, perhaps. But that thing is slightly misleading because it suggests that we're all going to have a, a great diet 100% of the time. And, you know, even with my profession, even with what I do for a living, I don't. Um, so I'm very tolerant of, you know, when you want, well, it's the school holidays and, 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 and I can laugh and go, well, you know, professionally, this, 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 this isn't very good, Natalie, come along. But I mean, realistically, I know what it's like. You, you know, you're stuck at the swimming pool with a vending machine. And that is what your child is going to demand. Yeah. However much you say you've got some lovely homemade nut cookies in the car, it is the vending machine that you're going to end up with. We've all been there. It, that's life. And you just do it 80% of the time. But if your digestion is compromised, you won't absorb what you need from the food. Yeah. And if you don't have a great mineral balance, your digestion will be compromised anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a bit of a misnomer to imagine that we all came into this world with a perfect chart. We didn't. Our mineral balance wasn't perfect at birth. It was imbalanced anyway, because we inherit our pattern. So we then add life into it. And, you know, lots of us have childhood trauma or, you know, as we get older, traumas or ill health, or we do something that sounds great fun, like backpacking around Asia for a couple of years. And you end up with um, toxins creeping in. You end up with taking um, with high copper. You know, even, for example, taking the birth control pill, that will send copper up. Mm. So we have a lot of imbalances just creeping in. Um, and all of those will compromise the gut, which affects mood. It is all related. Yeah, yeah. And that was the thing. It's just reminded me what I was going to say is that the, um, the thing that your test is wonderful for is giving people information about themselves specifically. Because I think that was the key is I went into this whole like, okay, right, these things are healthy. These things are not. 
therefore I must do X and I must not do Y. And what the test showed me is what I had also been listening to in podcasts and reading about, which was this kind of this view of tailored health to understand, okay, well, what is the system that you are working with and what happens when you put certain things into your system? Some of those things are going to get you results and other things are going to get you results that you don't want. So some of them will get you results you do want, some of them will get you results you don't want. And that part I understood theoretically, but what your test showed me was the reality of the situation of how I was potentially throwing all kinds of things into my system that actually were leaving me feeling worse. And the worse I started to feel and the more despondent I got about all the stuff I'm doing to try and kind of live this healthy life and then thinking, I actually don't feel any better. What the hell is the point? Exactly. If you don't feel better, what is the point? You might as well just go drink the wine, eat the cake and sit on the sofa watching Netflix all day because you don't feel any better doing all the healthy stuff. And I think that's where a phrase that I use a lot, which is biochemical individuality. We are all unique. Mm. Your chart and my chart will look totally different. What we do in terms of diet and supplements will be different. Our outcome will be the same. We will feel better. But we're getting there because we're addressing ourselves. Mm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so... Another question that I wanted to ask you was actually about the report, um, because in it, it talks about something called the um, metabolism profile, or mm -hmm. metabolic profile. Um, and it tells you whether you have, a, I'm assuming, slow, normal or fast uh, metabolic rate. I don't know what, because mine came out slow, but it doesn't say anything about what the other alternatives are. Is that a genetic thing or is that you a result? you me off about this one, I'd have said, don't raise the question. This okay. is a big question that we are going to chat about for a podcast at some okay. point. <laughs> but very simply, you're either a fast or slow metabolic type. Surprisingly, a huge percentage of the UK are slow metabolizers. It was something like 78%. The slow me metabolic type is how your body makes energy in something called the Krebs cycle. And all of us make our energy in the same biochemical process, but fast and slow metabolizers make it slightly differently. And we have opportunities for the energy conversion not to be as efficient throughout. Okay, you're either a slow or a fast metabolizer. Within that, you have four different types. Okay, and we number them one, two, three, four. And they are how your body is responding to stress. The outcome is you will either be a slow or a fast. There is no right or wrong. That's just a simple, you either are or you're not. And then to be as balanced as you can within that metabolic type. So can you tell me a little bit more about the stress component? Yeah. Your body meets stress using um, your adrenal hormones and your thyroid hormone. So we are very, we are very primitive in our design. We are designed to go around the corner, find the old saber-toothed tiger and fight or flee. That's what we're designed for. Mm -hmm. We don't have those saber-toothed tigers anymore. We just have sustained stress. So we never fight and we don't really flee. So we don't use a lot of exercise and we don't have the fight. What tends to happen is our stresses are more, you got up, you were late, 
you went to start the car, the car broke down, your children weren't ready on time, you went into town, you, you, the shop didn't have the bit that you'd gone for, so you bought something because the salesman told you it was compatible, you got home, you fitted it to this machinery that you bought it for, it turned out not to be compatible at all. Then you opened your post and got a letter from the bank saying that you shouldn't actually spend any money anyway because you were overdrawn, and, and, and. And that's just a steady, sustained stress. And your body doesn't have a chance to reset because in very simple terms, what your body thinks, remembering we're quite a primitive design, he thinks that for some bizarre reason, you just keep walking up to saber-toothed tigers and prodding them. And it doesn't reset because you never have to fight and you never run away. So the adrenal glands get exhausted. They keep trying to meet the stress mm -hmm. and they can't. So in very simplistic terms, they get tired. And then the thyroid steps up and the thyroid gland is not designed to do this, but it kind of goes, well, you know what, you're a bit knackered, I'll try and take the pressure off. That's a very simple explanation. Mm -hmm. So the thyroid starts to output more, but the thyroid cannot keep up with that sustained outputting. So the thyroid starts to underperform. And then we end up with the hypothyroid diagnosis. Okay. So, what so really that's where you experience that low energy and that tiredness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at some point, with luck, you'll intervene and you'll start to reset. But without that, you can go down into the diagnosis of hypothyroid. The adrenals haven't really reset now. You've just taken the pressure off them a bit more because you're supporting the thyroid to do its job. Um, and then if we bring that back to our mineral levels, if you have a very high copper level, that will suppress your thyroid function and your adrenal function. So you've also got by internal biochemistry driving those, that, those processes down as well. Okay. So you, if you're listed as having a slow metabolism or if you're a slow metabolizer, you're likely going to have to address stress as yeah. well as the food choices and the minerals. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and can a slow metabolizer become a fast metabolizer? Mm, yes, but it's not that common. But yes, you can. Okay. I think that um, I suspect that th this is just a hunch based on having worked in this field for a long time. I suspect that 50% of us are born fast, 50% of us are born slow, and that's it. But what actually happens is illness, stress switches us to become slow. And I think that's a lot harder to, to switch back to a fast. Okay because you are having to overcome the stresses of what you've been through. Okay. I sometimes say, I think health is like a, a flight of stairs. And at the point that you want to address your own health, you've descended quite low on the staircase and now you've got to climb back up. And that's where you start to look at sleep, hydration, stress levels, food, your mineral balance. You, you look at all of them and they're all part of the step back up. Okay, cool. So. Can you reach the point where you can be a slow metabolizer and have really good digestion, high energy, great health? All those things off the table. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's really your goal. And that's why I said it's about being as balanced as you can within your metabolic type. 
Okay. So if you were a slave four, you would be in extreme stress resistance and, uh, and exhausted all of the time. If we can address that and move you back to being a slave one, you're now capable of meeting your life stresses and your daily stresses. And that's where you become, once you start addressing everything, that's where you become full of energy. And whether or not you're a slow or fast metabolizer is irrelevant because you've got a great life, you're full of energy, your digestion is optimal, your mood is optimal. Okay, great. That makes sense. Um, so one last question um, before we, we go. Um, one of the things that I've ended up doing um, through the various qualifications that I've now amassed, and you know how each time you do something, it sort of changes your direction career-wise. Um, so I've ended up working with a lot of people who are um, wanting to cut alcohol and have built up quite a reliance, particularly because of those stresses. You know, they have those lives that you've just described, and then it's like, okay, right, it's five o'clock or it's six o'clock or the kids are in bed or whatever the trigger is, I'm having my glass of wine or my gin and tonic or whatever. But that's steadily progressed to become the bottle. So when it's become that, um, for a lot of people, then it becomes the thing that they rely on. So, mm-hmm. but, but alcohol seems to have an effect that then compounds problems with mood, problems with digestion, problems with all kinds of other things. So, My last question is in relation to the effects of alcohol. If somebody said, look, you know, I can't do the hemorrhoid test right now for whatever reason. um, Is there anything you would say food-wise or alcohol-wise or lifestyle-wise that regardless of whether somebody did the test, there are things you know are always a problem and always get rid of them? Okay. If somebody is drinking, as you were describing, that is going to have an effect on the absorption of minerals, on the storage of the minerals, and of the metabolism of the minerals. So it has affected all of them. Your kidneys, if you have drunk two to three glasses of wine, are 360 times more likely to simply, they they will remove 360 times more magnesium than they would if you hadn't had the, the wine. That's a lot of magnesium to be losing just because you've drunk three glasses of wine. And I'm guessing your chart was magnesium deficient. Because I think you have so, a yes. lot of calcium. Yes. If you have a lot of calcium, you are have a relative magnesium deficiency. Okay. So you need seven parts of calcium to every one of magnesium. Okay. So, so there's a lot of magnesium. So I guess if you uh, yeah, I sometimes feel that my takeout tip, one of my colleagues once said, Karen, we could do a recording of you, address stress and take magnesium. And it was like, you don't even need to talk to people because that's what you say all day. I was like, yeah, some days I do feel like that. I'd say if you are drinking alcohol and there's no, no criticism there at all. I mean, I think I've been there too. You know, I just can't take another moment of the mind. I'm just going to have a glass of wine. We've all done it. Yeah. Um, I would say magnesium, magnesium, magnesium and okay. support the adrenals. Mm. And there's lots of ways you can support the adrenals. Um, Herbs, supplements, meditate. Um, If your life is incredibly stressful, I think the idea of meditation is quite hard. Um, But I do suggest things like guided meditation sometimes, which I'm sure you do as well, Natalie. Mm -hmm. But um, for that, if you are having the alcohol, I would say magnesium is probably the greatest one. It will also affect your calcium levels. It'll affect your zinc levels. It'll affect your iron levels. It'll affect your potassium levels. It'll affect your chromium levels. And if it's affecting your chromium levels, it's going to be affecting your ability to maintain a good blood sugar level. Mm. 
If your blood sugar level is spiking, then the alcohol will seem more attractive because it's a sugar. Mm -hmm. Remember what I said about potassium being the bus across the cell wall. Mm -hmm. If the alcohol has lowered your um, potassium level, your body isn't going to pick up the stress hormones. So that glass of wine to deal with stress is going to seem more attractive. But tomorrow you'll have less potassium around, so your body won't pick up the stress hormone. So it becomes more of a problem. Right. So do you see how all those things are kind of knock-on effects? I do. What's really interesting, though, is that I actually very, very rarely drink now at all. I'm closer to teetotal. So that's another thing that surprises me. It's like, how long do these things take to correct? Because I've been more or less teetotal for over a year, um, which surprises me in the, in the kind of lack of correction of minerals and things like that. So for people who have done the work, what, what, can, they, what can they expect then in terms of repair? You are, I mean this very kindly, you're 46. Mm. You are not going to correct 46 years in one. If you mm. go back to my stair analogy, you spent 46 years coming down, you're doing loads of great things, so you can expect to go back up, back up the stairs three or four at a time, mm -hmm. but I think it takes longer to come back up. Okay. Because... What you're taking, and if you go back to that story of the little boy, you know, dad says we're not getting a big enough change every time we test, therefore the supplements aren't working. Well, actually they are. They're getting you through the day. So everything that you do today, think of it as a reservoir. Your reservoir is running empty. You're putting a lot of great stuff in, and that's helping you today. What's left over starts to fill up the reservoir. And it's the reservoir that makes the tank look great. So you've been total for a year. And I gave this horror story of, well, you know, you've depleted your magnesium, your potassium, your chromium levels, your iron levels, your zinc levels. Just going total doesn't rebuild the reservoir. It doesn't refill it. That's where you start to need to be really methodical with diet, really methodical with taking supplements as well, because you want to feel great today, but you also want to start to fill up your reservoirs so that tomorrow, next week, when something goes, because it does, inevitably wrong, mm. you have enough reserves to tackle that without really feeling knocked knock sideways yeah. does that make sense that really makes sense and that's super helpful it also because i'm i'm not the world's most patient person so um a lot of things that i have tried i've given up on in much the same way as the dad in your story um because i've just gone well this isn't working yeah and i'm not enjoying it so forget it um, and that's why i think we have to make things that you enjoy you didn't enjoy the kale Hmm. You don't mind the broccoli occasionally, and now you'll take the broccoli with your iodine sort of seaweed because that sounded sensible and you thought you could do that. So we have to make it things you can enjoy so that it's sustainable. That is fascinating. I mean, the whole thing is fascinating. Thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I know I said last question, but I always like to leave people with, you know, one practical thing. I think the practical thing I'm going to say here is go on to mineralcheck.com and order yourself a hair analysis test. But failing that what would be the, the one practical thing, uh, you, you've given so many tips already, the one practical thing you would say to people, if you want to feel better, you want to have energy, look better, just generally contribute to your health, what would be the thing you would encourage them to do? Actually, it has nothing to do with mineral balance, then it would be sleep and water. 
Okay. Um, but in, in terms of my profession, what would I say? Um, I would probably say support the stress response. Okay. Um, in some way. And there are lots of ways of doing that. And I guess slipping in an extra one, I think my one thing is, and I'm noticing this on every chart that I look at now, um, is a magnesium deficiency. Okay. Very, very few charts come back in a positive. So I, I, I think magnesium is the first element that we use up in the stress response. And I think the last 18 months have been challenging for all of us. Even if life wasn't before, I think the last 18 months has been quite stressful on most people. And what I'm noticing on the tests that are coming back is a quite significant um, stress that seems to be present for, for virtually all the tests I'm looking at. So I look at them when maybe people like you do it direct with us because they've been on the website, they've bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when I work with practitioners who phone up with queries about their patients. So I guess from what I do professionally, I'd say address your magnesium level. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Um, in which case, um, is there a supplement you have available? Is there something I could put on the on the show notes for people who've been listening to this going, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, do I go to Holland and Barrett and buy a magnesium supplement? Or? No, don't. Right, not all supplements are equal. So you want a supplement that you can absorb about 90% of, and that would be an amino acid chelate, and we do one called Magnesium Plus. Okay. So I will put a link to I've that. a huge plug for one of our supplements, which um. When I'm invited along, I tend to try and talk generically so that people can go away and do it anyway. But yeah, I would look at an amino acid chelate and I therefore, to make it really easy for people, the mineralcheck.com website has one called Magnesium Plus. Okay, great. I'm going to take a look at that myself and I'll put a link in the show notes for anyone who's listening, particularly for those who are uh, still potentially indulging in the wine that is going to make a difference to magnesium and therefore... I suppose step one, step one, ditch the wine. Step two, bring in the magnesium. Interesting. I might have done it the other way around, actually, Natalie. Yeah, bring in the magnesium, then ditch the wine. Oh, yeah, because you might be up to it more then. Well, also, I was thinking, if you're drinking the um, wine because you are stressed, mm-hmm. add some magnesium and add, um, we do two on the website, um, an adrenal complex, mm-hmm. or if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, a product called Aiden Complex. And they help the body adjust to stress. And I'm thinking, you know, if it was me, I'd put those in because taking out the wine and not putting, having a crutch there, it's like, well, what do I do? I'm still stressed. Put something in that helps the body mediate the stress response and then take out the wine. I'd do it that way around. I love that. Okay. Thank you so much. That's a massive, massive. Yeah, that's a great tip. Oh, thank you. It's been such a huge pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will get loads out of it. So it's mineralcheck.com if you would like to do uh, that hair mineral analysis test, which I highly, highly recommend. So there you have it. A little bit of an insight into the role that minerals play in our mental and physical health. What's really funny to me is I recorded this episode with Karen before the summer holidays. When I got my mineral check report, I had all these plans for things that I was going to do differently, the way I was going to change my diet, the supplements I was going to take. And after speaking to her that day, I was really fired up and I was like, right, I'm ordering all of the supplements off the website, all of the ones that were recommended on my report. And I didn't do it. But if you've listened to the last couple of episodes, then you know that I did actually get quite depressed recently and that I struggled massively with how I was feeling. 
And so aside from all of the other things that I've spoken about with regards to self-compassion and acceptance and all of the things that I know to do, having listened to this episode again, I have revisited food and mineral supplements and I have ordered the supplements recommended on the report. Because let's face it, in terms of being able to weather the tough stuff, all of these things give us a leg up. They really help us because difficult stuff is so much easier to face when you have energy and you feel good. Then those kinds of things don't hit quite so hard. They don't weigh quite so much. And so this feels like a really simple way to make a difference to what everyday life feels like. And I hope this episode has given you loads of possibilities and loads of food for thought, loads of things you potentially could try. As always, all the links you need are in the show notes, which you'll find at bighappylife.co.uk. You'll also find that link to mineralcheck.com, or you could go straight there. And there are links to connect with Karen via Facebook and Instagram as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd leave a comment or a review, possibly share it with somebody else who you think might benefit from hearing this information too. For now though, thanks for listening. 